Your system is perfectly designed to yield the results that you are getting. I've heard this fairly often in the past 25 years since this book was published. I don't know that Dallas Willard was the first to grab that management truism and apply it to the church, but he's not the only one, certainly in the past years. I hear it often, and I don't think people quite realize that within that truism, there is no diagnosis. You haven't actually said what it is about the church or about a business, which is the problem which is causing the results that you are getting. You're just pointing out that there are systems at work, there's a kind of holism going on, and that you need to be able to step back and look at it all and say, okay, this, this here is not working well and we need to fix it. Welcome to the Sanctus Forum. I am Michael Stewart Robb, and this is Conspiracy Commentaries, talking about Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy. We're in chapter two, just going section at a time. We're almost at the end of chapter two. We've got one more to do, and then we are done for the year, done with chapter two. It's been a lot. Now, before I get into this section here, there are people that watch these videos and don't subscribe. I'm just, as a reminder, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the podcast. There's also a newsletter at sanctus.institute, almost monthly newsletter, because we are all about helping people read better books better. I don't know how often I'm going to keep saying that, but um, it sounds pretty cool. I like it. Speaking of a better book, Divine Conspiracy, a section here called The Centrality of the Pulpit. Now, I just want to summarize a little bit here before we get into this thing that I really want to talk about. And the first thing that Dallas does in this section is he refers us back to a section called Shifting the Focus, where he says that our failures occur because of what we are doing. They're not in spite of what we're doing, but they occur because of what we're doing. And now he's going to sort of drill in a little bit more and say, actually, the, the problems, what we're doing, are in the pulpit. They're with the people who are responsible for teaching us and speaking to us and presenting to us the message of Christ. And basically put, Dallas is going to say, they don't present to us the message of Christ. They present all sorts of other things, might be good, might be true, might be gospels of sin management, but they're not the message of Christ. And then he's got some questions about how we can maybe figure out what we really teach and whether it really is going to be helpful to people. Does the gospel I preach and teach have a natural tendency to cause people who hear it to become full-time students? of Jesus. 
And Dallas is going to sort of answer this with respect to the Gospels that he he hears in North America primarily with a no. No, they don't do that. And I think for us in Europe, for me in Europe, and those of us, those of you who also live in Europe with me, yeah, the Gospels we preach don't have a natural uh, consequence of producing disciples, full-time students of Jesus. That's actually an interesting phrase which shows up here, um, discipleship. Dallas has hinted at it, but it becomes much more important in the later parts of the book. So far, he's really only talked about Jesus as a teacher. And obviously, teachers have students, and guess who those students are going to be? Yeah. If you're listening, I just pointed. I pointed to you. I pointed to me. So then we have uh, your system is perfectly designed to yield the results that it is getting. And we have some beautiful descriptions at the end of what Dallas thinks the gospel is, such as the resources of God's kingdom or um, the environment for which they were made, the living kingdom of eternal life and the reality of life now under God's rule. That's what Dallas thinks that we should be presenting to people, explaining to people, and then he thinks that you will have the consequences, which would be expected if you read the New Testament or even the Old Testament. So the word that I want to point out here and just say how incredibly important this is to Dallas's whole book here particularly is this word natural. Natural. He says it a few times in this... um, section and he'll come back to it later on in uh, later on in the book and this becomes a kind of uh, tool which he uses to assess other gospels and to help us assess what we're doing and saying well they don't have a natural consequence they don't naturally lead to discipleship now what does he mean by natural well um he isn't really calling up any romanticism. The romantics, the 19th century romantics, were very interested in nature. They observed things in biology, and they thought that those processes that they saw there were applicable to human life. And they applied them to society and to education and and all that. I don't think that's what he has in mind here, although we do see a lot of that in the church sort of natural thinking, romantic thinking, where if you just take these sort of very basic things, don't touch it too much, then everything's going to go right. And he, I don't think he's he's after that at all, though Dallas had a little tiny bit of that. Maybe it's not a tiny bit. He has some of that. What he's saying with natural is he's saying that things have natures. They have essences, and you have to understand what a thing is and how it works and then you can actually deal with it appropriately. So you have to understand what your gospel is. It's a set of ideas. It's a set of beliefs. They hang together in a certain way. And if you think them, they have certain consequences for the person who thinks them. That is, persons also have natures, and they have a certain way that they work. And if you put a certain kind of content, a certain kind of ideas into their mind, that will have an effect that's sort of flushed out into their life. So gospel has a nature. 
human beings have a nature, you put them together, and you've got a kind of system, a holism, that is going to work in a certain way or not work in a certain way because of the elements that are involved. And that's what he's saying. Now, he might be wrong about what he thinks the gospel is. He might be wrong about this idea that the gospel is important in human life. But what he's trying to say here, particularly with the latter, is intellectual formation matters. Okay? It matters what you think. Now, again, set aside what he thinks the gospel is and just listen to that. Intellectual formation matters. It matters what you think. You can't just think anything you want to or preach anything you want to and get a certain kind of positive result out of life. So if you are a pastor or a teacher, a preacher, anybody who's responsible for talking to other people, maybe this is a good time to plan to just step back and look at the whole thing from above and to just ask, you know, what am I teaching? What am I teaching? What is it that the people really hear from me regularly and as the central thing. And then to think about the consequences that that would have and think about whether that would actually produce the kind of life that the New Testament talks about. And specifically, you know, will it actually produce students of Jesus? Well, thanks for watching. I look forward to seeing you next week. Um, it's Christmas Advent season here and um, we're getting ready for that. We're going to celebrate a little earlier this year because we are going away for Christmas. And if you're on the newsletter list, you might actually figure out where we go. So see ya. Bye.